Welcome everyone, your host here, Peter and Matt, for another episode of Cup of News, episode 52. And we're going to change it up a little bit today, not so much health related. But in the meantime, those that are listening, we really appreciate it. Thank you guys. If you find any value in this podcast, please like, comment, share. You know where to find us. Give us the five stars on Apple. It means the world to us. It boosts our rankings. The algorithm finds us. People share and get to get inspired by the kind of we create. And ultimately, it motivates us to keep on producing this high-quality content. How are you doing today, Pete? I'm doing amazing. We're going to talk about the World Economic Forum, what it is, who is there, who is present, things they talk about, and all the invitees and our future predictions on how the world is going to be shaped in the next coming years. They set certain types of goals with different yearly alignments just to see if they're progressing as they as they forecast. Yeah, and this is topics that we find great interest into. So this is going to be, of course, information about the world economic reform, take things with a grain of salt, and we'll share our opinion a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe the pros and cons of this organization. And if you think about it, if you're always wondering who's bigger than maybe the president or all these world leaders, I think this is a step towards that direction. A lot of times we think that each country does their own thing. They have their own economics, their own presidents, leaders. And a lot of people fail to realize is that in certain parts of the year, in certain points in time, these leaders, dictators, politicians, they all meet together just so they can communicate on which way the world is going, what's going on in their different countries, and just to to talk and, and openly converse with each other. And you need that to have a more globalized world, you could say. Because yeah. if everyone's doing their own thing and we're not speaking to each other, then we can't move forward as a true society. Yeah, so WEF's, their mission is stated, committed to improving the state of the world by engaging business, political, academic, and other leaders of society to shape global, regional, and industrial agendas. Mm-hmm. So this is taking the whole, the macro of society. And, you know, these people meet together, these world leaders, and they want to dictate where all these in- industries should be going. Yeah, they make predictions on uh, where they see society in the next co- coming years. They look at up and coming technology. How has how have the goals changed from let's say twenty twenty to now twenty twenty five? We're going to new goals for twenty thirty, and so on and so forth. And then are they meeting our prior goals? Were the twenty the two thousand five goals met? Were the twenty fifteen goals met? The twenty ten goals were were those hit? And why weren't they? Yeah. And it's crazy because you have all these powerful, powerful people that meet together and they're the ones leading these breakthroughs in technology. So they have a very good idea on where we're progressing as humans. But the thing is, they also have that goal of making the most money, right? Because these are also people that have ties with different companies. Large and, corps. Yep. And if I'm the one that has an industry based on the creation of batteries, I'm going to want to push the world economy towards electricity and batteries. Right, so there's there's always that kind of agenda happening as well. So I'm not sure how they dictate that, but it's a group of people, and I'm sure they do everything in their power to cohesively all progress and, and promote and, and their stay, agendas yeah, yeah. And, and stay rich, I mean, and that, stay powerful. That's just how it works, though, right? Mm-hmm. So these people annually meet uh, in January at the Eastern Alp region of Switzerland. Over three thousand people and business leaders, international pol- political leaders, economists, celebrities, journalists. They discuss these questions and these this future agendas for five days across five hundred different sessions. Yeah, it's in Davos, and it's I'm not sure if you've seen pictures of it, but the place is, is beautiful. It's like a giant ski resort. It's it's like a 
crazy place to go to, and not a lot of people get to visit it. It's very secluded. I mean, yeah, you have to have you have to be a powerful person in the world to get an invite to a meeting like this. Yeah, and some of the people that that we that we seen online that have attended this, you know, Donald Trump. There was a vice premier of the People's Republic of China. We had even actors like Will I Am, Deepika Padukone, an act an actress. It's just very powerful people, and this is all available online. You just have to look it up just look up people that have attended this this world economic forum and it tells you even andre duda the president of poland wasn't one of those and poland has been pretty progressive with with things as like a country in europe actually they're very not progressive in that sense but they're progressing economic economically yeah i'm saying but not socially you could say because there's a lot of problems going on in poland with progressiveness yeah one of the things that they assess based on our 2020 global risk assessment of likelihood of things happening that could endanger society as a whole. So one of those things were extreme weather being one of them and climate change failure, which we know in news and everything else, climate change is a huge topic that's being pushed. Mm -hmm. Natural disasters, biodiversity, human-made environmental disasters. So this is all going on the list. And then Data fraud, cyber attacks, water crises, and global governance failures. Yeah. So this will this list shows you what's going to happen in the future. The catastrophes. We're worried about these main issues, and like Matt's top three are extreme weather, climate action failure, and natural disaster. So it's all climate related issues, all weather, all you know things that that we're going to say can be controlled, and that's what you're going to be seeing in the future. That's what they're predicting. And, and one thing we should also look at is what they were predicting, like twenty fifteen. We can take take a step back look, like that. No, well, no, we, we do should not. maybe uh, for for the future, you know, just because was we could see if they, if they, um, if the plan went through or if they failed, because they make these predictions all the time. Yeah, and this and, was already founded like in the nineteen eighties, so yeah. this you know organization has been around for a while. Yeah, and you can see even on TV that there's this giant push for climate change. We got to. <laughs> you know, change the way we manufacture goods, the way we manufacture food, the way we change everything that we have as standard because it's, it's impacting the environment in some kind of way. And this is just showing that, hey, that, that stuff that you see on, on the media and is getting pushed is what these people are saying is going to supposedly affect us the most. Yeah, and one of those things is like diving into the complex frontier of the digital world, artificial intelligence. We're seeing it with like the the passports where seeing all these like hacks in our society like have you noticed in the past couple of years how many different attacks there have been on sony private information like what if there's one organization that's hacking all this data fraud what are they doing with all this personal information because mm -hmm. it's very that data is so powerful if you, you could, if you could hack sony and get all the playstation users or video games you know what i'm saying what can you do with that information yeah. can you somehow figure out how to exploit people's behavior on violence more? Can you take that weapon and weaponize it in social media and make people be more violent in the streets? Because AI is very powerful, and I'm just speculating things. But data fraud is a huge thing that they cover as well in this. It's almost like we're in a Cold War with Russia and China over information, over natural resources, over data, over shipping lanes, over travel. Right, it's just like there's always conflict somewhere, but it's never a physical conflict. It's always with negotiations, and of course, there's you know a bunch of stuff going on in the middle Middle East that's very violent. But in this cold war that most society lives in, is literally the battle for, for not necessarily day to day things, but it's on a global miscommunication scale. Yeah, no one's we're not 
a physical war with each other. Like us, China, Russia, we're not a physical war with each other, but we're on we're war with each other like on paper. Yeah, it's like non-kinetic warfare. Yeah, if that's the right word. Yeah, yeah, because kinetic is almost like bullets and guns, is and it? this is yeah. almost like data, information, natural resources, technically, because mm-hmm. you're not hurting anybody over violence, but it's something we're all like striving to get as much of. Yeah, and the only thing that seems to change is the cost for goods, gas. There's been a conflict with with Russia, conflict in the Middle East over over trade or with China, and then there's natural disasters going on that's that's affecting oil prices. And the only thing that changes is the amount you pay for things. Same with meat in the store. There's like a chicken shortage. Guess what? You're gonna have a prices in chicken go up. Yeah. So some predictions for 2030 that they had on the world. One of them was that products will become a service, mm-hmm. and more and more people not want to own a car. Maybe they they won't want to own a house or applications. We're seeing it already in the space of podcasting where everything is a subscription. Yeah. The scary thing about subscription-based is it's very convenient and it's very convenient, it's very convenient for us humans. Hey, just pay this fee every month and you could do as you wish with it. The problem is if you have it for like your home and you're not a homeowner, technically you could get kicked out of your house whenever you want. If you're just forever renting and the government owns your home, they come in whenever they want. Hey, Sorry, we're trying to develop an airport. Everybody owns the, this place in Long Beach. We're going to have to re, re-house you somewhere else. That's the, yeah. the crazy part of it. That would be scary because technically if you're for rent, someone else is owning it. You're not owning it. So you could get kicked out whenever you want. Yeah, there's going to be a, f- a fee to pay on that lease. $10,000 for a breaking contract. Yeah, they'll pay that 10K, but they don't care. They'll pay like 10K to kick you out of the house, make an airport over where you used to live and you have no say of what happens. Yeah, my thing with this is like, we'll become more products to society. Mm-hmm. These large corps are going to be able to keep creating services for us that we're just going to have like all these monthly subscriptions. It's convenience for control. It is convenience for control. Like you already have so much applications now that you pay for when it comes to subscriptions like Netflix and Hulu and then you have Spotify and then you have gym memberships. You don't. We don't own anything. Yeah. And I feel like we're going to become exploited more and more to that degree. Mm-hmm. So I, definitely. I don't know if this is a good thing necessarily, but this is where they want things to go. And, it's, and it sucks because even though this not might be the best thing for society, it's where these world leaders see these things. So we don't have a say-so. Yep. And one major breakthrough in like the subscription service uh, phase or, or industry is look at Netflix. Netflix was probably the first, you could say, major streaming service that was available for a script sub- subscription. And look what that did to companies. They made it. They, they de- it destroyed movie theaters. It destroyed Blockbuster. It destroyed every other rental company. Redbox destroyed. Nothing. Nothing's left. Netflix, you know, paved the way and it made a breakthrough. And that's how it could, that, that's how drastic it could be if you incorporate too much subscription based into our daily living. Yeah. Especially if our housing and our vehicles, because like I said, it's convenience over control. So at the, in the future, you might not own literally anything. Yeah. That's another, what the prediction is. Yeah. Another prediction is a change in the price on, on carbon. So we're not going to go into too much detail on the price of carbon because we're going to do a separate episode, right? Because this is a pretty big topic to touch on. But basically, there is a limit on the amount of carbon one country or one company can, can manufacture yeah. or produce. And everything above that is is fined and that money then goes back into trying to create a more sustainable 
way of doing things, right? Yeah, suppose, supposedly this is going to, it's another form of taxation, but in a way this should be benefiting society because these large corporations that are putting a large global fo- fo- uh, footprint on carbon, they'll be able, they're, they're going to be able to take that money and invest it in solar panels and other sustainable f- methods. Ideally, ideally that's, that'll be the right action to take, but I'm sure not everybody taking it that way. Yeah, and the next one is a drop in U.S. dominance in a handful of powers. And we're slowly starting to see how different countries are having a advantage, you know, on us. For example, China, when it came to PPE of last year, we couldn't just sanction them for what they did because we would have no equipment resources going because they own us in a manufacturer way economically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this is also sp- different cities are rising. There's different presence of shifting of power in the U.S., you know, so... I think America will never fall when it comes to an economic standpoint. I think this prediction makes sense. I think our society is going to fall quicker as a culture. We might like lose specific values and morals, which we're already kind of experiencing. Mm. But as an economic power, I think the large corporations are way too large. The stock market, S&P 5, like that's not going to go anywhere. That money valid, the money side of the U.S. dollar is not going anywhere. Yeah, and then yeah, and then usually when societies shift, especially these big ones, it, us- it usually shifts as like a pretty big wave. Usually, it's not one country that that makes a drastic move that impacts the economy. It's usually multiple countries at the same time. That's kind of how currencies work and and uh, things like that for the most part. Uh, the fourth one is less hospital care, and this is really cool, interesting because at some point you're going to be able to just meet with your doctor through Zoom, not going to have to come into the office for a simple checkup. And that's going to be aided greatly, I feel like, by these little devices. Imagine if someone, someone could create a device where you, like this whoop band, you wear, wear it on your wrist, and just by the amount of light or type of light that it, that it emits, it's able to check your blood pressure. Yeah. Imagine if you're able to have something that goes around your wrist and it's just using light to track your blood pressure. Yeah, and, and it's going to create like incentives mm. for people to get motivated and get healthier because you might have lower premiums, for example. Yeah, Matt and I were actually talking before this episode about the the power of emotion. And it actually pertains to this this economic forum because in one of the their writings, because they released a lot of writings, and they said the best way to elicit change on someone is to use emotion versus statistics. It's that it said that emotions was a better way to bring about an action you want of somebody else than statistical data. Yeah, we should mention that this was written in The Great Reset, which is the owner of the organization wrote a book about COVID-19 and how it's the Great Reset and how we should take advantage of this, yeah. Last this year, crisis. Right? Last year, July mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah, that's literally what he said, that their research show is that it's easier to manipulate, to change somebody's opinion by using their emotion yeah. instead of numbers. And that's all mainstream media did. Like all the, I don't want to even bring examples because it's just going to put us in a tangent about yeah. politics or whatnot. But they, they do it all the time. They exploit emotions of people to react a specific way. Like things not my, We might be looking at the news and we could assess, so we're just like, wow, there's no fact in it. But the way they used their words, because words are literally like hypnosis in the way when we talk yeah. about that episode it creates that emotion. It explodes. You're almost creating a problem-solution reaction yeah. at that point. You literally found a way to hack a human being. And this literally tells you how to hack a human being is, is literally emotion. Because they are literally saying that emotion is going to be stronger than logic. 
that means you could be lied to manipulated easily not based on facts but on how you are emotionally taking this information in yes. that's crazy so basically someone could tell you something that's false and they could make you believe it yeah and that's the scary part with uh with cambridge analytica mm-hmm. when you know mark zuckerberg had to testify in court with the whole facebook thing yeah well cambridge analytica and facebook are different things but basically cambridge analytica found a way to use social media and they were able to figure out how to change people's voting styles and they were able to predict people's voting styles based on their social media posts and they would actually incorporate different posts to change the outlook on certain things. They would feed them different kind of information. They were, they were able to to be so powerful that it was able to sway elections in certain countries. Yes. So they decided to, hey, let's try and to, to sway the votes in England and, in certain, and even more and more countries. And then we found out that this played a giant role in different elections. And when people found out about this, this, this company got removed. It's yeah. gone. No, and no one, nobody still really hears about it. Including Brexit. So. And all they do is they basically disband the company and they just start new ones. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know that you make a very good point, that these companies could be continuously made. Yeah. And the private sector and the military industrial complex has such a great influence on that. Mm. The fifth one is less meat. So we're, I made another next episode. We're going to talk about the footprint of methane gas from cows and red meat and stuff like that. But they're saying that in order to move towards more sustainable society, we need to consume less meat. Mm. So the push is going to be lab-grown meat. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's supposed to be the the idea where they want society to go. And we already see it in Beyond Meat and all these corporations that are creating you know, fake meats. Yeah, it's crazy how you see this because there's this giant push for eating healthy, being healthy, and yet... Everyone says the best way to to eat and the best foods to eat is naturally occurring foods. We've had plants and animals on this earth since you know we've been on this earth. And now all of a sudden we're saying one way of eating is better than the other. It doesn't work for everybody like that. It doesn't. And that's what precision medicine is. Yeah. Everybody has a specific way of eating. So why are you going to all force us to just not eat meat then? Yeah. Are we all going to be eating the, the, the same looking foods all the time? Because it's... it's is it going to be like a one bowl of like oatmeal that has all the things you need for breakfast and we're all going to be eating that bowl because that bowl's said to be the healthiest thing for you? Yeah. Imagine, what are we like, I don't know, animals? Technically, we are animals, but it's not how we should live. I agree with you, man. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting concepts to think about. And it's yeah. like, how are these people looking at us in the world economic reform or anywhere in society? Are these super elite people looking at us like uh, that we're just an ant in an anthill and we're just one of them. And they're the humans that are looking at us and are just deciding things for us. Yeah. I, I don't know. I hope these people have great, you know, values behind them and positive energy and don't have those. You know how you like look at conspiracies or movies or like you, you think about like secret societies. You think there's these evil people and wardrobes are doing shit. Is it like that? Or do are they genuinely want to progress society in a good way? I hope it's on that side, yeah. but we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I could be a little bit of both, and I could be arguing. Like, who knows? It's always that. See, with with humans, we're always like we're always fixed on the good versus evil all the time about always. everything. That there's is... always there's always two points to it to every argument, and it's always brought up in every lecture, every story, every political debate. Someone's bad. Someone's evil. My my ideas are good. Your ideas are bad. Yeah, that's a duality. Yeah, duality but, of society. Yeah. But it's not always like that. So number six, 
The sixth prediction for 2030 is that the refugees will be CEOs and be able to make a bigger impact on our futures. So you've all heard about the big crisis in Syria and in different countries where people are literally escaping their countries, their dictatorships, their, their political regimes, and they're leaving. So Syria was one of the biggest ones where they were leaving their country because they were just so oppressed. And most of them were younger people and they didn't even really fully understand the situation. Maybe they did understand the situation, but were too young to do anything about yeah. it. In 2030, they're going to reach that age where they're going to assimilate to the part of society that is able to make a change on the other aspects of society. Yeah. Some of them are going to be CEOs of companies. Some of them are going to be working in, in tech startups. Some of them are going to be politicians. And they're actually able, going to be able to make a change for the most part. And actually have a say from their viewpoint of growing up and their view on life from how they had to escape this country and now they became a CEO of a company or, or some political power. Yeah, they're, they're going to create a lot of great change in yeah. society. Uh, the seventh one is that Western values will be tested. And I feel like that's already happening on a large scale now with what's mm -hmm. happening post-pandemic. We're seeing like the whole, you know, biological gender stuff happening. And there's just so many different things. Western society has never been tested so much. Mm -hmm. And we have never been so polarized, like we always say, and like separated from each other, even though we're in this interconnected web of social media and the Internet. And a democracy is definitely getting tested. Yeah. It's definitely getting tested. The way democracy was built, you could say it's kind of like an old-scale political system just because, as we've seen over time, over years, over centuries, political systems change. What we thought was good one day was brought out you know, with evil and poison, and then we had to think of something else. So is democracy. So it's interesting that when democracy first started here in the, in the United States, there was a group of people that basically spoke for the goodwill of the population. And you're able to do that because if you have a smaller population, those 12 individuals or 10 individuals or however much you have in that table, maybe even 50, 100 of them, it's, it's a lot easier for them to grasp the want of, of the population if it's small. But here, like in the United States, where communication is so easy and, and so vastly done, where it's a lot harder for politicians to be fully democratic because there's so much voices from us citizens here yeah and they're not really sure who to follow or which point to take and everyone's always sharing their opinions and it's just so much going on where some of these politicians like don't know who to who to pick and it's it's we got to figure out a democracy but how to make that on a larger scale like with cryptocurrencies the biggest issue with them is scaling right everyone's always talking about how can we scale cryptocurrency how can we make the most transactions the most Right. Most efficiently and the, and the quickest, right? Same with like people. How can we achieve a voting system or, or a vote with everyone's opinion in it? Yeah, and, and also when it comes to this Western society that's being tested, it's also like the civil liberties and privacy that's going yeah. to be given up. So I always talk about this where, you know, decades have been going on and we're just slowly getting stripped away. Now we're being surveillance. It's like we're slowly being exposed to it more and more. Mm -hmm. And it's like, where does it end, you know? And there's this group of people that, you know, there's two sides in Western society. I feel like people that are like, you know, hey, government, like, just mind my, let me, let me just do my own thing. Mind your own business. And then there's- pay my taxes. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like that a little bit. I'm not, I love big government. Remember, we always have like, we're like half on half on the fence. And then there's those people that are like, I am scared. Here, take all this away. Give me safety, right? Mm -hmm. 
And now our values are being really tested there because if you look at America, America's like this golden crown in the global world where this is democracy. We are the standard or of democracy. And it's being tested more than ever now. Mm-hmm. Now like the pandemic happened, all this, and it's like where does where does it stand? How much are we willing to sacrifice? The US Constitution has been tested more than ever before. Even though it's this old document, it makes a lot of sense of why they created it. Like those guys were smart as hell, man, in 1776. And should we change that? Is that okay to change? Yeah, I mean, I think if we could come to a collective conclusion of what needs to be changed and and what doesn't, but with still keeping the same fundamentals. Like, for example, take like the, the Bible or the Quran, those that those literatures they've been slightly changed over time yeah and it's completely okay as long as that's understood and an agreement that it's okay to be changed but it still has to keep this the same the same theme there has to have the same idea when for example the constitution says right to bear arms we shouldn't change it to right to or we shouldn't completely omit that because people are, are you know getting murdered or, or whatever right right Maybe you could figure out a way to change you where, like we have now, where I could have a gun, but there's no need for me to have a rocket launcher, right? Makes sense. Yeah, it does. Because majority of us could agree on that. You don't, if you're a public citizen living in a suburban area, there's really no need for you to, to own a rocket launcher or even in the city. If you're living in downtown Chicago, you really don't need a rocket launcher, right? It's safe to say. That's probably more military. But maybe you, could, you, you want that, you know, some kind of a pistol or some kind of a handgun, right? And that, that should be okay. And there's just some people that completely don't believe in, you know, guns. And look, look what's happening, like, in, you know, Western Valleys, we're talking about them. I want to go into eight, too. And it's like, there's more and more violence happening in these larger cities. How are we going to solve this? By just taking away everybody's guns away? Do you want us to start fighting with bats and knives now? Is there more violence or is there more reporting of it going on? There's a lot more reporting of racial violence, right? Those are the main stories. But I think overall, violence has been on the up and coming. Yeah, I'm not sure what the numbers are. I know in Chicago, it's it's caused a roller coaster. There's been a, a few years where it was slowly going down and then it went right back up. And now I don't even know what's going on in Chicago. But I feel like in general, isn't the world getting safer over time? I don't know. I'm not going to talk on my ass right now. On this I think one. it is. I think it generally is getting safer over time. It's definitely safer where... You're not waking up every single day and you don't have to worry about a Viking burning down your village or whatever. And you're running away because your village is getting burnt and people are getting murdered that you know, right? Yeah. So we've moved away from that. We're a lot more of a civil society. Overall violence trends. I'm not sure if you're looking that yeah. up. but I'm I'll, looking it up right now. Okay, I'll bounce, to, I'll bounce to eight really quick, which is their next prediction is just moving closer towards Mars. So we're seeing all these advancements that you know, China, America are launching uh, miss, uh, not missiles, geez, spacecrafts into space and we're, you know, landing the helicopter. So we're exploring that. I think 2030 is not going to be 10 years for rocket advancements. We'll see. 10 years? Yeah, that's a pretty fast goal. We'll see how much we can inhabit because you have to find out how you can maybe raise the temperature of Mars collectively in order to maybe melt the water and start having an atmosphere. Can you create an atmosphere on Mars? How's that going to work? So there's still 
so much so much we have to figure out on Earth before we tackle another planet. Yeah, but, that's but, the thing. But I think we'll definitely figure out the exploration part where we're going to create rockets that are sustainable, reusable, where we could have a base on the moon and explore. I think we're going to slowly start becoming more intergalactic yeah. in the future. But when it comes to inhabiting another planet, that's going to take some figuring out. I understand. And I, I could vouch for people that say that going to Mars is a waste of time or going to space is, is a waste of time. We're devoting to research, research and resources for that because we could be figuring out how to make a more sustainable habitat here on Earth. We could have figured out how to make humans or have humans live in a desert by changing the environment, the climate in there. Like imagine like a, but this is kind of messing with the, yeah. with the world itself. But still, we could be still doing things like this where you design like a, like a giant bubble and in that bubble you have certain homes, like a city, yeah. things like that. I mean, but if you, with like a, it's almost like a, a thermostat in this bubble. Yeah, if you think about it, China for the Beijing Olympics in 08 was using weather modification to make sure it's sunny. Mm. Or they're trying to increase rain in general in specific regions. So they're already doing something close to weather modification, basically. Yeah, yeah it's crazy how they could, they probably can't, modified on like a worldwide scale but they can modify it in certain locations certain regions yeah. i know when the tsunamis hit it was out in india and katrina and in, in, in you know united states and in the south a lot of people a lot of conspiracies out there were saying that this was a man-made to to change some outcome or to do some something some funky stuff with the financial system interesting so the next part of this is going to be something that the owner wrote from the World Economic Reform, and he titled the book, he released it in July 20, called The COVID-19, The Great Reset. And this was a blueprint of how we should take advantage of this crisis to reset the world. And, and it's in different parts, economically, uh, industrially, and we're already seeing these changes. And it's it's interesting what he mentions here. And it's kind of scary because I think post-pandemic, we could move towards a better society. But I feel like it's getting merged closer with artificial intelligence. And we want to become super more super intelligent and advance as a race. So we're having this merge with robots and machines more and more like our cell phones, AirPods, all this. But isn't necessarily a good thing because we have cell phones and we thought where it's gonna make us more connected, it's gonna make us happier. But now we're seeing kids, you know, be more violent, commit suicide, there's cyberbullying, there's depression, anxiety, all this stuff stemming from cell phones and all these algorithms that exploited our behaviors for being the products on this this app or this cell phone. If we're going to merge closer towards robots or virtual reality, whatever the case might be, is it going to get better if it didn't get better now? So are we just going towards and digging ourselves a deeper hole in the wrong way? And we're really missing the point of how we should really be living as humans. Mm -hmm. But we don't see that other side of reality because you have these people that meet and decide this is how it should be. And this is the only vision that we see of the future. It's wild to think about this. Jeez, kind of man, stuff. that was that was a great thought there. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of the goals for China by twenty twenty five, they want to make AI an autonomous 
machines, robots do majority of their their manufacturing and industrial work. So they want to basically eliminate the need for humans to do manufacturing. They want to simplify things to where these robots are going to be doing these day-to-day activities and humans are just going to basically live in yeah. some way, shape, or form without doing these kind of jobs. And the crazy thing about it is what, would, what else would we do as humans? What would be our goal if that if one job is already filled? You, well, if you don't own anything, you just have to be more of a product. Yeah. Because, I mean, all these corporations always have profit. Mm-hmm. So the more they could exploit from you, it's like Apple. Now they got you on the watch. Now they got you on the headphones. Now you could key tag your items. Now you got the cell phone. It's just creating more more products. That That's why I like... I love that we're going towards better knowledge and it's going to be easier to figure things out, but is it the step towards the right direction? I mean, I think it, it is. It's, it's going to benefit step, us. It's a step in the only direction. As humans, we're continuously evolving, continuously changing, and we're always, you could say, improving our day-to-day life and our technological advances. We're always progressing as humans. At one point, there was no fire, and we created fire. At one point, there was no tools, we created tools, and we keep advancing. And it's almost... But is this the right tool is my question. There is a right tool. That's just how life life moves on. It just depends on the way people use it. Like we could have used cell phones in a completely different way, but who knows what that yeah. way would have been. What if that, that, that way was worse than, than how they ended up? So like my question is, is like, can robots replace every single function possible? Like, are they going to map? Like basically these people are obsessed in mathematics and algorithms and they think they could map everything possible, replicate anything possible human including consciousness but that's just an assumption because these people think that you everything in the universe is measurable and they think that everything is knowable therefore everything is controllable but what if that's just like a medical metaphysical ideology that they have and that's just not the truth but that just that's just their theory and that's just where we're going with it but what about if it's not measurable in the universe we just don't know but that's just so far what we know as a human because we haven't reached that higher point. Yeah, whatever there is, whatever you can never reach that higher point. Right. What if consciousness is never going to be measurable and mappable? But we think mm-hmm. it is and we could put it into AI, but it never is possible because it's something higher above us that we just haven't understood yet. Because, yeah. you know, it's it's like, geez. It's that's like, the one thing that, that's crazy with AI and robotics and consciousness is that Sam Harris brought up is that what if we create a robot or a system that is able to map our emotions express our emotions without having the conscious ability to understand these emotions. Yeah. Where they could feel sadness, but they don't care about sadness. It's just there. Because it's an emotion they could ex- release. And it learns to exploit you because as, it's just crazy because people at, at this economic forum literally said that emotion is more powerful than the logic, than numbers. So imagine Sam Harris's point where if he, he hears the same thing, he's like, this is exactly what I was talking about. Because these robots aren't going to be giving you logical reasons why, why you should change your mind. They're going to elicit facial expressions that make you feel certain ways. And they're able to tap into your feelings without caring about, about your feelings. Because they just, know how to, they just know how to promote a feeling to get what they want. Yeah. You know I'm saying? That'll be, that's going to be the best salesman. Yeah. So what if like that's already happening where you have everybody on social media for the for the most part yeah for the most part if you think about it, if you want to change society as a whole you know how like that one guy just got exposed a couple of days ago that facebook created that uh vaccine algorithm whatever mm-hmm. so they're able to 
what if like the algorithm based on your hesitancy to get you know like the shot you have different content provided by this algorithm to test your to test to see why you want to take or maybe it's going to help you make the better choice of taking it based on the information it's already giving to you Mm. what if there's an algorithm like that they're just not telling us yeah and that's just that's what's so messed up about these large corporations that there's no transparency unfortunately because you're using this app you're always going to be going to be the product Mm. they might be doing a large-scale test to see how society can you know react to something they could be partnered up with a um, moderna let's just say and it's all private it's a giant experiment why not yeah they're not going to let a good disaster go to waste they're going to gather as much detail as much information as they can and not only are they gathering and and studying you they're also putting in different variables into play they could try and manipulate certain things hey let's try this it's a pandemic everyone's crazy let's instill this for six months if it doesn't work we'll just stop it if it right. works we'll continue it because there's so much going on and no one really knows what to do that they're trying these little things that's their excuse hey we're going to try this but they really had an idea to try this in the beginning, I said they didn't have a good time for it. And now it's a perfect time to try it. And literally in this in this literature, it states the two points of the Great Reset that Matt was talking about. These are the two points. It says our human actions and reactions are not rooted in statistical data, but are determined instead by emotions and sentiments. Narrative drive our behavior. So a good story, good emotional strength is going to be able to change and have you pursue things that, that you would not normally pursue just because it's a, it's eliciting some kind of emotion. Right. And number two is, as our human condition improves, our standards of living increase, and so do our expectations for a better and fairer life. So this is kind of more on a positive end, that that as our living conditions improve, we expect the next generation to even have better ones. Yeah, it's like carrying the torch. And exactly, carrying the torch. And they make, they make sense, because if you ask our parents, hey, why do we come to the United States? Why are we here? They always say, because we want a better life for you. Yeah. And this is what they did. And now it's our turn. This is our baseline. The way we were raised at, at home with our parents is our baseline. We never want to go below that ever, right? Because we, because even if you're at that area, at that baseline, it just still shows you that your kids are going to still have a chance because you had a chance. Yeah. Not saying you failed or somebody else that's still there has failed. It's just that where you're at. And it just shows you some good in this. You know, but then it also allows room for manipulation because you always want to be better than a generation prior to. You always want to have some kind of improvement, and that could also be focused on emotionally as well yeah. and make you do deceiving things. And let's say you get hired for for a job and it's a high paying job, but guess what? This job is in a, in a gang where you got to murder somebody. Well, that's probably not Extreme. the best way to, to to live yeah. life. But if you're gonna get paid a million dollars just to kill somebody, some people are willing to take that risk. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast and there was a, there was a tribe in Africa or a group of people, whatever it was, but you're born into it where they would just go around and slaughter families with machetes. And if you don't participate in it, they're going to machete you. They're going to kill you. So you have no other choice but to be put in a situation and do some an act like that. Yeah. And uh, in this podcast, they're just talking about the stories because she interviewed these people afterwards. It's literally kill or be killed. Yeah, you, you can't hate these people for what they did. Unfortunately, their eyes did that. Mm-hmm. But what, what are you going to do when somebody wants to kill you? Yeah, it's either, you're gonna, it's either you kill somebody or you die. It's 50-50 yeah. chance. Is you, you're going to pick. And how are you going to hate somebody that only has those two choices? Yeah. How does it make, it make any sense? Yeah. You got, it's why context really matters about everything. Perspe- because if someone perception. says, hey, I killed somebody... And you're like, oh, she's got murder. 
but you know he killed somebody because you know they're trying to kill his family and they were shooting at him and he shot him back happened to kill him you know there's context to every situation that's why that's why it's so scary when when politics and news and social media get fixated on on just one topic one idea because there's so much polarity with just a single topic it doesn't outline the majority views of, of the population or society yeah. because that just because if you have, have an idea it's a color black or white if you have if your choice is either black or white and that's the only only thing you're talking about then you're obviously always going to have black versus white if that's the only thing you talk about without the context the context if i say black or white and not give you context some people might think it's skin color maybe i'm just thinking of what color shirt i should wear for tomorrow or your, right. or your favorite t-shirt color that's where the context comes in, right? Because if I say black or white, and you, and you pick white, and some guy next to me says, "Oh, well, you don't like black people," but it's, it's like, no, I just picked white because that's just what I thought. Yeah, that, and, I that, and I say, "Hey, relax." I was asking him, "Black or white? What's his favorite shirt color?" Yeah, you that know? that's just social conditioning. Yeah, and that's what scary part uh, scary part about this is this is behavior modification. Yeah, you never see context. If you want behavior modification, you don't give somebody the full story. You just give them these little scoops of information, plan their emotions, and they're going to choose for you. Yeah. And something that Klaus said into, into this great reset is that it's like their task to achieve this, a world that's less decisive, deceive it, geez, less polluting, less destructive, more inclusive, more equitable, and fair than pre-pandemic. So they're not going to let this advantage you know they're going to take advantage of this fully and we'll just have to decide of where things are going are we going to be more selfish as a society post or you know more positive yeah yeah so we'll see what these goals if these goals get hit and if you guys know anything about the world economic forum drop a comment let us know if you ever did some research about it or you have something yeah. to say let us know and i just wanted to mention one thing that claws like his belief and his f philosophy is in transhumanism so he believes in the movement that advocates for predicting and enhancing human condition. And this is what I wanted to say is that as a whole, it's like, is that the step towards the right direction? Who knows, man? Who knows? So, much, so much directions, just because somebody believes in one way doesn't necessarily make it true. And just because they have power doesn't mean they're, they're bad. You know, it, whole world of trip. It could be it a simulation. Is. It cannot. We could all wake up one day and be like, damn, that's a pretty cool game. Or damn, you know, it's been, you know, just a dream. You never know what's out we, there. We don't know. Yeah. But we're all just born into this world and we're just given a name, a religion, yeah. a color, and you just kind of roll with it. Yeah, and do the best of it. The human experience is crazy. Yeah. Be well and, and do what you can with, with what you have and just try and improve and try to push aside in the right direction. That, keep living life. That's all we can do. Yeah. All, all right, guys. Have a great day. Peace. Peace